great Odin's raven. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Hello, welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number 53. My name is Adam. Today I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Kevin. How are you? I'm doing alright. Uh, this week we were going to be reviewing Steven Soderbergh's side effects, but since Kevin didn't see it, uh, no. we're just going to kind of wing it. Might Did do not. a one per- might do a one person review for it. Do a one. I have I have I mean I have a couple of news bits to go over. Okay. I want to get your thoughts on. Yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have plenty to talk about here. So we also have a new Kickstarter project to highlight for Kickstart Sunday. This week we're going to be highlighting Twelve O'clock Boys. Uh, This is having its world premiere at South by Southwest this year, and we have an interview, exclusive interview, with the director, Latfi Nathan. And we'll be making our weekly movie predictions and going over this week's DVD and Blu-ray releases. First, let's kick things off with some of what we've been watching. I'll start it this week. Fairly light week. Uh, I saw Sound City, the Dave Grohl documentary. And I liked it. There we go. Uh, no, it was <laughs> ringing, ringing endorsement. <laughs> Sound City, captivating. Uh, well, let me get into it a little bit more. It was it was really good. I think that for a first film, uh, he did an awesome job. I mean, it looked really good. Uh, there was some cool camera work and stuff. the The thing about it, though, that may turn some people off is. It's about Sound City, the world-famous recording studio, but really the movie for about an hour or so is about the history of Sound City and kind of the evolution of Sound City and inevitably the downfall of Sound City. Mm. And then for the other like half hour, 45 minutes, it's about Dave Grohl. What he did was he ended up buying the board uh, that was in Sound City and then making his own studio, and then having all these uh, original artists that that cut records there and made a new record. Oh, that's that's I like that. Yeah, I didn't know that was a part of it. Yes, that's uh, it's a big part of it. So the thing about Sound City is, I guess it was sort of a perfect culmination of things. There was this one of a kind mixing board that they used called a Neve board. And that, coupled with the apparently amazing acoustics in this room, uh, enabled musicians to make these amazing-sounding records. And I mean, when I say musicians, I mean, like, some of the biggest musicians ever. I mean, we have, like, Rage Against the Machine, um, obviously Foo Fighters, Nirvana. Spirit. uh, we have uh, Rick, Spring- Rick Springfield. He's in it a lot uh, because Rick Springfield was kind of at the height of Sound City's uh, success. Like the the owners of Sound City kind of brought Rick Springfield on and helped groom him into being as popular as he was in the eighties. Uh, just just huge huge people. Tom Petty, Neil Diamond. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not Neil Diamond. <laughs> Neil Young. Uh, very, very interesting. And the fact that you know Dave Grohl was probably easily able to get all these people involved 
Yeah. Uh, that was really cool. I mean, there's a ton of uh, great interviews <laughs> with some of these just fantastic artists. I see and, here on the on the page for Sound City Studio that like one of the first or it's listed as the first record is Twelve Dreams of Doctor Sardonicus by Spirit. And I am a huge fan of Spirit. Yeah, I mean just the 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 list of records that were pressed there or recorded there is huge. And it's weird like when I was watching it, and I don't know, maybe this is just because I was buying into the whole sound city thing like i thought to myself yeah you know those specific albums did sound like really good and like but i don't know if that was me just kind of buying into the whole sound city thing or if those albums really did sound that good like on a technical level (laughs) but it was cool that they had like interviews with rage against the machine um most of the members Rage Against the Machine. Actually, Tom Morello and uh, Zach DeLaRocco weren't involved, but <sighs> and maybe maybe Tom Morello was, but definitely not Zach. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age, um, Pixies, tons of tons of bands. I'm sure there's many that I'm not remembering right now, but Rat Rat. Yeah, they they do Rat. talk. They do talk to a, a few of the the hair. The hair tool? metal band. Can they talk to Tool? Uh, no. Oh. They do. They do get pretty involved with Trent Reznor. Uh, Trent Reznor does one of the tracks with them on the new album that they made. Uh. And he, I mean, Trent Reznor is always an interesting guy in interviews and stuff. And it was some people may not be as interested when they make the new album for that part of the movie. Because it does kind of get away from the Sound City thing. Yeah. I mean, you're not recording it at Sound City. But to me, it was still really interesting. I mean, they get Paul McCartney to come in Damn. and do a track with them. And it, it just seeing the process was so interesting. And like it made me realize like Paul McCartney is a fucking genius. Because they don't when they get all these people in, they don't really have a, a plan. They don't have pre written song like music or anything they just kind of wing it and just kind of develop it and they're just they're so good it's like you give paul mccartney a guitar and he just instantly creates a song that's completely new and i that was just really fascinating to me just to see how they developed the whole thing and dave grohl is a great musician too i mean he's doing everything he's singing he's playing drums he's playing guitar he's all over the place so if if you're into music, I would highly recommend checking out Sound City. And I believe it's playing on demand right now. Oh. And it's playing in theaters too. Uh, then I saw The Pirate Bay Away from Keyboard. This is a documentary about the infamous Pirate Bay fi- file sharing site. It's the biggest file sharing site ever. Uh, the interesting thing, there was there's some cool parts to this. I wasn't that into the the movie itself but it did look really good Hmm. i was really impressed with how it looked and one of the things that impressed me the most was the fact that they kind of show where the servers for the pirate bay are located and they're literally located in a cave (laughs) (laughs) and the way that it it looks so cool it looks like the bat cave and i'm not i'm not kidding like you go down this long dark uh 
you know, cave. And then you, it, it opens up into this like cavern and there's like all these like glass walls and intricate servers and stuff. And that was like really cool. And the way that they filmed it was really cool too. They had this really cool dolly shot that went in and, um, but Basically, if you're not into computers and technology and and that type of thing, you're probably not going to be that interested in this. It basically follows the creators of the Pirate Bay from 2008 when they first get raided by police uh, all the way up until February of 2012 when they run their last appeal and they get convicted. Now, are they actually going to like try and sell this film or are they just going to No, it's no, it's given it's free. Okay. And this is actually going to be uh playing at South by Southwest this year too. Uh-huh. And it, it they they're giving it away for free on the Pirate Bay, so you can go get it for free. And Good. again, Good. I, I, would will, be, I would be a little <laughs> that would be, be kind a little of funny. Miffed. I mean, I'm sure that they are going to be selling it like d- on DVD and Blu-ray <laughs> and stuff, but yeah. You you can watch it for free, and you're not. It's not considered pirating it if you watch it. But <laughs> it's great if you pirate. If you ended up getting sued, I think that uh, they would the see people <laughs> for pirating their movie. Yeah, I think that they would see the irony in that. But uh, if you're into that type of thing, file sharing and stuff, it might be an interesting watch. The the one thing that I will give these guys credit for is just their conviction. Like they they're up against. Hollywood, you know, and the music industry and the game industry. And they just continuously put their middle finger up at these people. And it's just so crazy. Like, they refuse to take the site down. If the police raid their their servers and take them away, they have backups that just go into effect. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. <sighs> and like, they do, one- do, you, do you think that they're now searching every cave? They could be every cave. Is, I can't. I mean, maybe there are a lot of caves in Sweden, but I don't know. I can't but, imagine there being too many. No, but it is. It's pretty interesting. And like they, at one point, they flee to. One of them goes to Cambodia, and two of them go to Malaysia, and they then they go back, and it's it's kind of interesting, I guess. And the, one of the things that I thought was really odd was. During their initial trial, afterwards, like they would all kind of just congregate in the lobby of the courtroom and just kind of recap everything that happened and talk with each other. And they would always talk to the prosecutors. And there was one lawyer that represented Hollywood, and she she represented the big studios like MGM and Warner Brothers. And they would always just chat with her afterwards. And they were always like really pleasant to her and stuff. And I, I thought that was kind of odd. <laughs> and there's like one scene where she's got all these like files and stuff and she's pushing a cart and the one guy opens the door for her and holds the door open for her. And it was just, it was kind of weird. Hmm. Uh, another weird movie I saw was The Paperboy. Oh, you saw The Paperboy? Huh? I did, yeah. I decided to check it out. This is a gross movie. <laughs> I, I hope you don't say anything else. <laughs> I was thinking just, about that's it. it. I was thinking about just leaving it at that. Uh, it's not good, so don't let me let me just throw that out there first and say that it's not good. But 
Get it, that out of the way. It did. It, there. It did have something going for it. I liked the aesthetic of it. It took place in this really rural Florida town, and everything was like they were always sweaty and dirty, and it is just a gross movie. I mean, I'm sure that most of you heard about the scene with Nicole Kidman pissing on Zac Efron's face. And that's not even, like, the grossest thing that happens in this movie. Oh, God. But the, it was so... It felt so shoddily thrown together. Like, I didn't understand the stylistic choices. Like, there was, like, these random moments of slow motion that didn't seem to fit, didn't make any sense. There were, like, these really weird cuts that they would do from time to time. And at one moment, they'd be playing this kind of ironic 60s music, you know, during a a scene that was particularly gruesome or grim. And then they would kind of juxtapose it with this, like, happy 60s music, pop music. Yeah, that's that's getting a bit played out. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And this movie didn't really work because the the tone of the movie was all over the place. One second, it'd be kind of campy and... Uh, almost John Waters-esque, and the next second it would be trying to be like a serious drama. And uh, the there was narration done throughout, and this is based on a novel, so I'm assuming that that's why there's narration. And the narration was done by Macy Gray. I thought that Macy Gray was one of the best characters in this movie, which normally I don't like her too much. Yeah. But she was really good in this movie. And... The movie starts with her uh, being interviewed by someone. They know, I don't even think that they say who it is, if it's like a reporter or what. And for the rest of the movie, she's kind of retelling the story to this reporter or whoever. But sometimes she'll address the audience. And it really pulls you out of it because it's like, okay, well, I thought she was talking to the reporter. And now she's talking to us. Hmm. Like, there'll be certain parts where she's like, okay, well, I think you've seen enough of that. And then, like, they'll cut the scene. And it's just like, okay, I- I'm not really buying into that. And then and then at one point, Zac Efron narrates it for some reason. There's, like, voiceover done by him. And that didn't really work either. So there's there's a lot of little things about this movie that make it a failure. <laughs> Uh, performance wise it was fine Uh, Zac Efron didn't do a great job I wouldn't say that this is going to be the role that pushes him into like serious acting Uh, it's not going to launch him no I don't think so I mean he didn't do a horrible job but you know it was not I don't know not a lot to his character Um, McConaughey was awesome in it though I will say that and it's just, it's worth seeing uh, after he gets pissed on, right? He, he wakes up, he wakes up in his bed and he's like, oh, he's like, what is that smell? And Macy Gray's standing there. She plays like the, the housekeeper and she stands there and she goes, that white girl pissed on your face. <laughs> and it was just the funniest delivery that, that makes it worth seeing. Uh, then I, w- I rewatched Vanishing Point, which I did for this week's Grindhouse Weekly feature on the site. I love Vanishing Point. If you haven't seen it, please go out and check this out. It's like one of my favorite 
films of the 70s. It's awesome. It's with Barry Newman and Cleavon Littles in it. And it's just about a guy who he works for a car delivery service and he has to deliver a car from Colorado to San Francisco. And he has like three or four days to do it, but he takes a bet with this drug dealer buddy of his that he can get it there by 3 p.m. the next day. So what he does is he gets a bunch of speed, does a does a shitload of speed, and just drives as fast as he can, ignoring <laughs> ignoring every you know speed limit sign, uh, every cop. Yes. And basically the whole movie is just a car chase. Uh, I love that. I just love the idea of someone going like, I want to make a movie where it's a guy who has to deliver a car. Uh, makes a small bet that he can get it there in a certain amount of time, does a shitload of speed, there you go. And everyone and, and, just going, yeah, yeah, let's do that. It's a great movie. I I love it. Like, I don't... It's not a movie that I'll say, like, it's great in an ironic sort of way, you know? Like, I could say... It's not one of those so bad it's good. Right, exactly. It's not, like, laughable and just goofy. It's It's a really good movie. And the the car, the stunts in it are amazing. Um, the pretty much all the car chase stuff is great, and it's just it's interesting because from from the beginning, the setup of the movie, it's like five minutes of setup, and then the rest is straight up car chase. And the the thing that I like the most about it is the bet is uh, if he wins, he gets. Um, like free drugs for a month or something like that. And if he loses, he'll pay his bar tab. <laughs> like it's, it's the, the dumbest, most inconsequential bet in the world. And that's what I actually like about this movie is that the stakes aren't so high, you know, like usually in movies that involve getting from point A to point B, it's like, Oh, I got to get there by this time or else. My yeah. heart will explode, or uh, Dude, my family will die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, just for a decent amount of drugs. Yeah, and because of that, it lets it lets the viewer just focus on the here and now. Like they don't they don't have to think about the consequences of what'll happen if he doesn't get there. It's just like, <laughs> well, if he doesn't get there, he'll just have to pay his bar tab, and that'll be it. But. It's also funny that he's going to such drastic lengths to get there. I mean, it's crazy. And it it is one of those movies where it starts at the end and then the rest is kind of a flashback. So it's, I highly recommend it. I love it. So it's essentially about a man that loves his drugs. Yeah, but. Loves drugs. Throughout the movie, they, there's these periodic flashbacks that give you a little bit of insight into his life and his past. And as the movie progresses, it's, it sort of unfolds as to, you know, why he's doing this and why he really doesn't have anything to lose and, and that type of thing. So there is a decent amount of development of his character, but highly recommend checking that out. Vanishing point, 1971, Barry Newman done. Uh, and then I saw Would You Rather? <laughs> oh, man. This is uh, on demand right now. It's going to hit theaters, I think, next weekend. 
Uh, this is a low-budget horror movie with Brittany Snow and Jeffrey Combs. And do you remember Jeffrey Combs from that horrible movie Faust that we saw? Oh, my God. Remember that movie? Faust. It was like the worst oh, pile of garbage ever. That movie was absolutely terrible. This I is, completely forgot about that. This is better than that, um, but it's not particularly good the the concept is interesting it's this extremely wealthy man gets these this group of people that are in desperate need of money for whatever reason some of them have medical issues some of them it's for like family members in the case of Brittany snow her brother has cancer and she and her their parents were uh killed so she's taking care of her brother she they don't have any money and they can't afford medical bills her brother needs a bone marrow transplant, so she agrees to do this. And it's a dinner party that Jeffrey Combs throws, and he plays the would-you-rather game with them. And it's very uh, violent, I guess. I mean, it's not like on Saw or Hostile levels of violence. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still pretty bloody. Like, the first thing that they do is say... They they hook two two people up to like this uh, kind of makeshift electric chair type thing, and they say, "Would you rather shock yourself or shock this other person?" And then they have to press a button that'll and and it starts off like that, pretty pretty small, and then like the next one is, "Would you rather uh, give this this guy three lashes with this crazy African whip or?" stabbed this other person in the leg with an ice pick and it just kind of escalates from there it's actually really clever how they do the games it it poses a lot of really interesting questions and throughout the movie i mean it's designed for you to be like what would i do in that situation and to that it's interesting but unfortunately there's like zero character development at all you don't know who Mm. any of these people are you don't really care and, it sounds like it should just be a short film. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's what I was thinking the whole time. Because essentially the whole movie is the dinner party. There's very little before or after. Yeah. And there's several things that happened that probably could have been cut out. And I think that it would have worked a lot better as a short film. It does have a really cool poster, too. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, but... Yeah, I would I would say probably skip that. It's not skip it. Yeah, it's not that good at, at all. No, it's not it horrible. Terrible. It's not horrible. It's really not that bad. It's interesting. Are you sure? Watch. Are you yeah. sure? I gave it a what? Did I give it. I, I reviewed it on the site. I gave it a three and a half. Yeah, that means it's terrible. <laughs> it's. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop being nice. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. It's awful. Uh, and then finally, I saw Side Effects, Steven Soderbergh. Oh. Uh, yeah. Are, are you still planning on seeing this? I, I want to. It's just, I haven't had time. Haven't had time? Uh, well, I checked this out. Uh, there's We have a review for this up on the site, too. Todd reviewed it, gave it a 7.5. Um, I would actually sit probably at the exact same spot, 7.5. Definitely the best movie of the year so far. I mean, I know that <laughs> I know that that's not saying much, but it is. Yeah. But it is really good. No, I, it's not. If it's 
if it's going to be Soderbergh's last movie, um, good way to end it. Yeah, it's a good, it's a decent way to end it. I, I don't know. Gail's in it. Yes, he is. Yeah, and he has officially become Gail to me now. Because oh, for yeah. the longest time he was still a uh, flight of the Concords, mm-hmm. but now he's Gail. Yeah, I refer to him as Gail. Um, so side effects. This is the one with Drew Law and Rooney Mara, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum did a good job again, so he's he's uh, making his way up on my list here of people that I don't hate. He's on it. He's on top of it right now. Soderbergh is. I mean, I can't say enough about him. He's just such an amazing director. Like everything he makes is just so good, and this movie is no exception. It's it's great. The first of all, I had no idea what this was really about going into it. Like you can see the trailers and you kind of have an idea of what you think it's about, but it's it's not. It's not mm-hmm. like that at all. There's several twists that occur that I had no idea. Like I it was one of those things where you figure it out like right before the character figures it out or something and it's awesome. It's great performances. Highly recommend checking this out. This is in theaters right now, so Go see side effects. There's nothing better in theaters right now. <laughs> no, there isn't. Uh, there is not. That's all I got. That's all you got. I had a very short week, too. Because, as I said before, I just haven't had time. But I started off with If a Tree Falls, a story of the Earth Liberation Front, which is probably one of the first films we talked about on our podcast. Yeah. Way that was, back. That was way back. Uh, I forgot about Horse Slaughtering Factory. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I forgot, too. I completely forgot about it. Oh, my goodness. Pretty so, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, bravo on that one. Uh, but overall, I thought this was a pretty shitty documentary. I mean, it was it was in, intriguing. It was interesting, you know, getting some insight to, you know, some of their beliefs and the, the arsons and... Uh, the way that the police force sort of just went ape shit on them. And I mean, for me, number one thing is it makes the justice system and the whole court system just look ridiculous. <laughs> like they catch the main guy and they don't even realize it, that he's been involved in like numerous, numerous arsons. And because it tells the story of Daniel McGowan, who's the one house arrest and waiting for trial and everything. And he was a part of like two arsons, maybe. And then realized, oh, this is too much and stopped. So they catch the guy that was in charge of like seven or eight of them. Don't realize that he's like the head honcho. Get him to flip on everyone by giving him complete immunity to catch all these lesser people that had like very small roles in the arsons. And it's like you had the main guy and you let him completely off scot-free to catch all these little people. Mm -hmm. And then they make deals with all the little people to flip on all the other ones that they got, giving them immunity and everything. And it's just it seems pointless. Like, why do you waste all your time investigating all the resources and money that go into it? And then you just make deals with everyone and they only serve like three years, two years or house arrest. Yeah. It just seems completely pointless. Yeah. yeah. And the only other thing I didn't like is they didn't, I don't think they delved deep enough into like the reasonings behind the arsons or what these people think of their actions now. 
like later on. Yeah, they, they never did. really went into yeah. that, and it just seemed like they didn't ask, you know, like hard hitting questions. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I my memory on this is starting to fade because I saw it like a year ago or more, but I do remember being surprised that they did talk to the other side more than. I yeah, and were. I'll give them that they did talk to you know like the lumber companies and stuff, but it didn't seem like they didn't give enough of that side. They touched on it a little bit, but not enough. But the other thing that I was sort of curious to know is you have the people in the ELF that are sort of questioning their actions, you know, the arsons and everything that they're doing. And they're not even like 100% sure if they should be doing this or if it's working. I'm wondering what the police thought. Like what, you know, when they're cracking down and just going crazy on these people, beating them and... I mean, they're just sitting there and they're like forcing their eyes opening and emptying like three or four cans of pepper spray into their eyes. I wonder if any of like the police force, you know, if they were thinking like, are we going about this the right way? They probably wouldn't admit it. That's the thing. No, they wouldn't. Essentially, they were just they were making it worse. Right. I mean, what they were doing, of course, the ELF is going to come back and escalate more. And I mean, I'm not going to say if I thought what they did was right or wrong, but I do, I do believe that they're, that peaceful protesting is, can only get you so far. You know, sometimes it requires a little more to get some shit done. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with everything that they did. Pretty much none of it, except for the horse slaughtering factor. (laughs) I think everyone could be like, yeah, that was, that was, that was a good idea. Yeah. Uh, this was nominated for Best Documentary at last year's Oscars, too. Yes. I remember that's why we we discussed it. Mm-hmm. I was on a little bit of a doc kick, because then I followed it up with Highway Way, Never Sorry, which you also saw a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it was interesting. It was a nice, like, almost like an introduction to the artist's or activists or whatever you want to call them. Um, but again, it didn't feel like they delved deep enough. Like they just sort of let some things go by. You mean um, like about his personal life or? Yeah. The, and I can understand maybe Iowa way didn't want to open up about it. So, you know, they were, they were respectful and didn't dig into it. But I'm wondering like the way that they ended it, it's like, why didn't you go into it a little bit more? Because it seems like at the end of the movie that he's been completely defeated and that all of his stances and his thoughts that he had were pretty weak because it looks like they broke him in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that they did. De- well, I mean, I, I don't know. Like he, I think he's still at it, but I would agree that, yeah, it, do- it, could, it does seem like he kind of folded there. Yeah, because he, he wouldn't he wouldn't talk about it at all. I mean, he he jumps back on Twitter and he starts doing some more press stuff, but he's not doing what he was doing, you know, earlier in the film. Yeah, yeah. And I also felt um, number one, Allison Clayman, who directed this documentary, was a little bit all over the place of like what she's following. You know, you're following some of him creating the artwork or him using Twitter or him doing the earthquake. Um, investigation and trying to and being attacked by the police and trying to file a complaint against the police department and all these things, but they never seemed whole. Right. And it, yeah, 
I felt like what they should have spent their time on was like the 10 to 15 documentaries that Ai Weiwei made himself. Why not bring those over? Yeah, I think that it was kind of... Translate them and subtitle them and put them out there. It was kind of a cross between telling his story and, you know, letting people know about his art and stuff. And then it was also kind of that in addition to kind of a, a more candid look at his life. Yeah. And it was kind of a mixture between those two things. And you, usually you have a documentary that either just tells the story of somebody. Um, the artist is present comes to mind. And they the way that they did that was a lot better, I thought. I just thought Clayman jumped around too much. Yeah. Just all over the place. I mean, it does work in a sense that it, it, draw, it drums up interest. I'm sure tons of people have gone on to look into Iowa way. You know, and to read more about him. So it works in that aspect. I was but just... I, I also hate, I can't, well, I shouldn't say hate, but I can't stand artists that don't make their own work. It just bothers me. He doesn't do anything. That was one no. of the things that surprised me, was that he, he, he really doesn't do anything. And his whole, the Olympics thing, I thought that that was complete bullshit. Well, I was... You know, they hire him and he does the thing and then he's like, what do you expect China's going to do? Every single country does it when the Olympics come to town. They round up all the homeless and right. like that and kick them out of the city to give this appearance of wonderfulness. And well, I was, what, he was surprised by that? I was glad that they didn't spend that much time on the Olympics because like, that whole part of it I didn't care about at all. Like, I would I, also like to know what he did with the money and the note of, you know, and the fame that he garnered from doing the bird's nest and then he's just like i'm not gonna go to the olympics like that seems like a hollow protest yeah i mean you if probably you like, probably do it in go the in the first place, place. <laughs> yeah no no it was interesting i'll give you that and then i watched hour of the wolf which is a movie by igmar bergman his only horror film and when I said horror, I used the air quotes because, mm. I mean, it's as horror as you can get with Igmar Bergman. I mean, you I, you sort of have to have an understanding of his films. It, this is there's some there are some horrific scenes in it. I'll give him that. But it's not a horror movie in the traditional sense. I would say it's more like a psychological drama, maybe a psychological horror film. Um Max von Sydow plays like an artist. He's on a like a remote island with his pregnant wife, and he, he slowly starts to lose his mind. I mean, we've seen this story numerous, numerous times. Shining, yeah. I mean, it's been done to death. And but the problem is that his wife. It's sort of based on that age-old: if you're together with someone for long enough, you sort of start to resemble them and sort of think the way that they think. And so she starts having some of the hallucinations or delusions that he has. So they both sort of start losing their minds. And he does, Max von Sydow does fight a young boy and it's terrifying. Mm. It, it, I mean, it gets dark quick. They're just like playing around fighting. And then next thing you know, shit gets real. (laughs) Spoiler, Max von Sydow wins. <laughs> <laughs> just say that. 
that kid did not stand a chance. I mean, they do some interesting things. Uh, there's some good cinematography. It's definitely not Bergman's best, but it's interesting enough to see him sort of do his twist on like a horror film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's about it. That's all I had. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and go right into our Kickstart Sunday project. This week, we're going to be talking about 12 O'Clock Boys. It's a new documentary from director Lotfi Nathan. Um, very interested in this documentary. That, Like we said before, this is going to be premiering at South by Southwest. And basically, it's about a gang of illegal dirt bike riders in Baltimore City. So I'm very yes. interested to see this. We had a chance to have a chat with the director, so let's go ahead and give that a listen right now. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about your background, maybe how you got into filmmaking, and maybe where some of your inspirations mm-hmm. come from. So I, I got into filmmaking from painting. Uh, I, I had no background in filmmaking until I started this project. Um, and... Uh, Really, I was a total novice starting this project. I didn't even really know how to operate a camera properly, and let alone run sound or anything like that, or you know any of the the brass tacks of of filmmaking. Um, so this has been a good crash course. But otherwise, yeah, it came from came from painting. Uh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and where are you located in Baltimore? Are you in? No, I, I moved to New York. Uh, I've been back and forth for the last uh, year or so. You know, uh, the project really kept me in Baltimore. I love Baltimore, but I've also, uh, you know, love New York as well. Yeah, same here, actually. I love both of those places. Now, did you grow up in Baltimore? No, I grew up in England uh, until I was 10 and moved here with my mother and my siblings. And um, then uh, just lived in Baltimore for school. I went to a school of painting in in Baltimore. Oh, okay. Now, did you grow up in the burbs or were you in the city? I grew up in the suburbs of Boston uh, and then... Baltimore was the first city that I lived in, besides London, uh, which the place I grew up in, southern London, uh, didn't feel too much of a a bustling city. I mean, Baltimore doesn't necessarily either, but Baltimore was the first city that I really considered that I lived in. Yeah. One thing I miss about living up there is being able to go to Baltimore. Kevin, you go to Baltimore quite a bit, don't you? Yes. The, the, Charles. the Charles. The Charles Theater. Theater. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that place is, is a gem, really. It's great. It's yeah, that amazing was like our, theater. That was yeah, our number yeah. one place to go see movies was the so Charles. So good, yeah. I had, a, I had a friend that worked there at Concessions. Uh, is that what it's called? And he, uh, he used to get me in for free all the time, which was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love that place. So let's talk a little bit about the movie. We're talking about 12 O'Clock Boys. This is having its uh, world premiere at South by Southwest this year, right? That's right. Yeah, we're very excited. Um, the news was uh, was uh, uh, yeah, wonderful to hear, as you can imagine. And, you know, we've been making this film kind of under a rock for the last few years. Uh, more than that, actually. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the movie and maybe where you got the idea to make a movie about this? Okay, so the, the movie is about... Uh, 
a boy who we, we meet at the age of at, at the age of twelve, and he has aspirations to join an illegal dirtbike gang called Twelve O'clock Boys. Yeah, uh, he's growing up in a in years. a little street in West Baltimore. Uh, you meet him and his yeah. family, and uh, from there yeah, you start to learn great. about the group. And uh, you we kind of follow him and his efforts to join the group. That's good. Initially, I didn't think that I'd be able to engage with the dirt bike riders. I thought that I would maybe film uh, film the group from a distance, you know. And I, I was actually toying around with the idea of calling this little sh- this short "In Search of the Twelve O'clock Boys," you know. And I had heard all of this kind of rumor of what they were about, but had no idea who they were. Um, you know, but they were surprisingly receptive to being filmed, and from there, I just got deeper and deeper. <laughs> and uh, I will say that this is a documentary for those of you that haven't heard of this yet. And how did you? So you just kind of heard rumblings about this this group, and thought, like, how did you go about uh, first first getting in with them? Like, how did you approach them? Uh, I just kind of asked around and found out where they congregated, which was Druid Hill Park, uh, which I'm sure you guys know. I spent some time in Baltimore. Oh yeah. Um, so basically, I asked around, uh, found out where they where they congregated, went there, and you know, at first you can imagine I was pretty uh, nervous about going to film, uh, but they were all about the camera. It was it was magnetic, you know. So. Uh, then you know, just started exchanging some phone numbers, and the next thing I know, I'm I'm going to some of the writers' houses all over town. I mean, I ended up getting an incredible tour of Baltimore uh, that you know, I couldn't have couldn't have received any other way. I feel like I had a sort of uh, license, you know, to just be anywhere in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's uh, talk about the Kickstarter project. So now you you already got the majority of the funding for this. I mean, the movie's having its premiere at South by Southwest. Right. Uh, so now we have a Kickstarter project. You're trying to get funding for post-production. Is that yes, correct? exactly. So, you know, as I mentioned, uh, as I explained on the Kickstarter page, it's really these costs now for finishing. There's, there's no way around it. Um, I mean, you guys know this just to get it in a movie theater playing correctly there's just hard costs that you can't really dodge and yeah we did we did uh get by up until now really on on the cheap um Mm -hmm. but you know there's no way around it this time we basically have to action all of this work now to to make the deadline but um you know we we need to pay for it yeah yeah well that's this this isn't the first project that we backed that was looking for post-production money. So it looks like, I mean, I guess people don't really realize how much is involved with post-production and right. how much money you need that there's just no way to get around, you know, like submitting to festivals and all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. I mean, your deliverables are expensive. And then, um, you know, this this what we're trying to raise is even with some very good good rates from some talented people, um, you know, and then there's minimal licensing costs and stuff like that. I mean, it just adds up. Now, how close to the final product are you at at this point? Like, what will we see at South by Southwest? 
At South by South, Southwest, you guys are going to see the final product, um, which we're very proud of. I mean, it's just it's changed so much. It started working with this editor, Thomas Niles, uh, at the beginning of September, and he cut this film so fast. Uh, and, you know, it's just changed every two weeks uh, to something even better. And uh, so I, I like to think that this is the finished thing. I mean... Well, I will say that uh, one of the things that really drew me into this project not only is it does it take place in baltimore but it looks great like just just judging from the video you have on your kickstarter page i mean this this looks like an incredibly high quality video and it looks like we're going to see some pretty insane footage that yeah you're able to get. yeah i mean in in the trailer and you know we're obviously so lucky to be able to use this footage in the trailer because it's just so attractive visually uh, as its own thing. This phantom material is what you might be re- referring to besides just the, the verite uh, filming. The, uh, we had two very talented uh, camera people, uh, one John Benham uh, and the other guy's name is Nick Midwig. They are phantom camera operators and uh, you know, we just got right in the mix with the with the group, and we're able to film with a super high speed military grade camera, and it, it looks incredible. And you know, I can't wait to see that on the big screen. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to yeah, see it. I have well. to say that the thing that really caught me is when the one kid's sitting there, and you have the guy in the background doing the wheelie on the ATV yeah, in slow yeah. motion. Yeah, that's that just awesome. As soon as that happened, I was like, yes. Right, right. I want to see this so bad. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It really it can give you goosebumps. I, I love that uh, that shot, and it's it's that kind of stuff that uh, that I think gives the film this sort of dream dream space as well. You know, and it really does stray from being a documentary at parts, um, mm. and goes into this more uh, experiential thing. Now, how long did you follow the group around while you were filming? I, I started filming in 2008, just a few days here and there, but not too much. Uh, and then uh, 2009, some more. By 2009, I had maybe an eight-minute piece. 2010, I spent every day for months just filming the group, and that's when I met Pug, who's the young boy in the trailer, the protagonist. And I, I knew pretty much right away that he was he was the guy um and i mean you guys can sort of see it on his face he, he's got a lot of character and you know so a lot of my time from there was spent filming pug and his uh means of entry into the group because uh by the time it was 2010 i had pretty good access to filming the riders and getting the action you know but then the, the story had to Mm-hmm. At the surface, uh, is he going to be at South by Southwest? Is he going to be attending it? Yes, I. Uh, he's going to be there, and I'm pretty sure that his mother Coco is getting him a nice linen suit. <laughs> That's going <laughs> to be great. He's going to be there in style. Yeah, nice. So with this project, uh, you have 24 days to go. Uh, you have a thirty thousand dollar goal, and currently you're at forty five hundred. Uh, just over forty five hundred on it. Right. Yeah, we've got a we've got a ways to go in terms of this fundraising goal, but you know we're going to spend all of this money to make a great thing if we can get it. Now you did uh, for the initial funds for this. You did. You also did crowdfunding. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, we we raised about twelve k on Kickstarter earlier on, um, 
for what I thought would be the end of the shooting, but you know, the project and the scope just grew so much bigger. Uh, we had to keep going. Um, and you know, I think it's clear why now, and you know, the, the venue for the film, uh, for our, for our world premiere is just perfect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, why don't we, why don't we go into some of the incentives that you got going for, for this? Do you have any highlights as far as what people should be looking for in incentives? Yeah, well, I think that the, the poster, first of all, this design company, Post Typography, based in Baltimore, these guys are amazing, Bruce and Nolan. That poster is going to be really beautiful. We should be able to put up a picture of it pretty soon, a couple of their prototypes. And then my friend Madeline, uh, who paints nails in L.A., that's another option. So you can get your nails, you can get your nails done. <laughs> that's awesome but you have to see these these nails they're incredible i mean yeah i saw the picture on the um on the uh, kickstarter page yeah and then beyond that yeah i mean you can you can see the movie uh you can get a still from the film photos you can come out to to screenings there's a there's a handful of different incentives now uh, do you have any idea when it's going to get distribution like uh i imagine you're going to be running the festival circuit for a while yeah we'd like to just you know come out blasting at festivals ideally and see what happens with the the distribution it's still mm -hmm. pretty open but we're definitely hoping for the best i mean my my hope is just to get this thing as widespread as possible and i, I there's been a good deal of interest in we're optimistic about this year for the film. Well, uh, we look forward to seeing it at South by Southwest. Maybe we can talk a little bit more at the festival. Yes, I'd love to. That sounds great. Okay. Thanks for your time. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you again to Latfi. If you want to find out more about this movie, just head on over to our site at filmpulse.net. And the articles should still be on the homepage. If not, just go to the blog section at the top. Click on Kickstart Sunday. Uh, we'll also have a widget there on the right side, so make sure you donate widget. to that project. Widget. Widget. I like the word widget. Uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I like it too. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about some news. Let's talk this news. Let's get to it. What I wanted to say was, did you get to see the trailer for The Act of Killing? We talked about it. Yeah, uh, I saw it. I saw did you see it? Mm-hmm. Does this not look like the most insane documentary you've ever seen in your entire life? Yeah, the uh, the trailer for this actually, I think it came out it came out a while ago. Actually, when it when this first screened, I think it was like a TIFF word first. Screened. Yes, I think so. Uh, yeah, the act of killing. This is going to be playing at South by Southwest this year as well, and it's it just sounds so crazy i'm i'm really excited to see it but it, it seems like it's going to be really hard yeah it's going to be tough very tough to watch and i mean this was picked up by dress house films mm -hmm. being distributed through them and just the idea of a, joshua oppenheimer the director goes to a i think it's like three of them they were I think sort of ahead of these death squads Two or three. In real life, death squads that just completely just went around killed in communists. And I think it was like Chinese people. And they ask them to, and number one, they're celebrated as heroes. 
Right. They're yeah. not these aren't they're not war criminals in their country. They're lauded for what they do. I mean, in the trailer, they show him uh, Anwar Congo, who seems to be the the main person that this film follows. <laughs> they're like applauding him and want to know how he came up with this really efficient way of dispatching of communists. Mm-hmm. And they ask these three guys to essentially recreate their killings. And they say yes. But not only that, they want to make it like a gangster film. Yeah, so like they're obsessed with gangster films. So like there's there's really this is a really weird type of movie because it, it is a documentary, but it kind of straddles the line between like a narrative f- film and a real yeah. life documentary because a, a lot of what's in the movie is reenactments but it's the same guys, but they're like really theatrical reenactments from what I heard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like they set up all these different types of movies that they do these killings in, but they, I mean, they kill people in all different types of ways. And it's just, it seems so insane. Yeah. Because it's a film, it's a documentary and it, but it's sometimes it's hard, even just watching the trailer, it was hard for me to realize that, these guys actually did this. They yeah. really killed people. And they were, as far as I know, they're almost completely remorseless when... Yes. And I mean, fact. like I said, they it's not just that they're going to tell you about the killings. They want to recreate them. And they want to do it in the style that they loved, cinema-wise, gangster films, westerns. So the filmmakers themselves challenged them to come up with essentially like scripts, mm-hmm. like little movies for it. So they write the scripts and they play the selves and they play their victims and recreate the way they used to kill people in real life. Yeah, I'm really excited to see this. I think it's going to be good. And uh, I think that this is going to be one that I get from my Draft House Alliance membership. So I think I'm going to get that on Blu-ray. And I'm slightly torn because, like you said, I'm really excited to see it. But at the same time, I don't want to see it ever. I know. Because I think it's going to crush, just crush my hope for humanity. Yeah. It's just all out the window after this. Yeah, it's it sounds, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> it scares me. I'm scared. Yep. What else you got? Uh, what else I got is the announcement... Of, and I've wanted it again since I'm new to Star Wars. <laughs> this whole announcement of like spinoff films. Well, okay, so they did confirm that the spinoff films are going to exist. Now I don't know if it's been confirmed yet about the Boba Fett and Han spinoffs. Have you read anything that says that those are official? Nah, I'm just reading rumors. Um, but yeah. I, I did read a couple of places where a lot of people are thinking Yoda. There's going to be one involved yeah. with Yoda. Yeah, so uh, th- those are like the three that people are saying. The, the spinoffs have been confirmed. Like, that's a done deal. But now it's like, what's up in the air is what they're going to be about. I'm fine with any of that stuff. I mean... I don't know if uh, an entire movie about Yoda would really work for me. I think that I'd probably get annoyed. I was going to say, I would I would find myself extremely annoyed by his 
his voice and the way he talks. Yeah, I would definitely be annoyed. One one thing that I will say about episode two is you get to see Yoda fight in, in episode two, and that's pretty amazing. I would imagine, and now I'm thinking in real life here, which is tough to do Star Wars-wise, but if you're having a lightsaber battle with Yoda... Wouldn't it be next to impossible to hit him since he's so small? Yeah, that's kind of the cool thing is that he does lots of little like flips and stuff and he's... He's indestructible. Yeah, and he's like so strong with the force too. Like he's just the ultimate... Ridiculous, ridiculously strong with that force. He's the ultimate badass. Yoda, little green man. I mean, I think it'd be cool too to have a Boba Fett spinoff, but I don't know. I mean, like it might be one of those things where... Maybe the reason that Boba Fett was so cool was that he he wasn't in it a whole lot in the original yeah. trilogy. You know what I mean? Like he was he showed up, he was a badass, he had a jetpack, he had a cool looking outfit. So I mean maybe having an entire movie about him would kind of lose some of yeah. the the luster. I think so. It's we, yeah, one of those things that the less you know right because like you you don't when you see the original films you don't really know anything about him and that's that kind of adds to the mystery it's like he's well just, that was sort of the, the main thing that surprised me watching these films for the first time this year is i know going into it that everyone's obsessed with boba fett people love boba fett and then i was completely surprised that he does like nothing like, he just pops up for a little bit, and then he's gone. And I'm like, man, people are obsessed with that guy? Yeah, I mean, he's he's just a cool dude. He, I think one of the things is just that he has a cool outfit. Like, I think I think, yeah, I think it's a jetpack. <laughs> he, looks, he looks like a badass, therefore he is a badass. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't... He, we didn't, another thing that tells you that he's a badass is he doesn't spend time telling you that he's a badass. Right. He's a no-nonsense. You, you just infer it. He's a no-nonsense kind of guy, really. Boba Fett doesn't fuck around. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh, is there going to be a Jar Jar Binks one? Mm, I hope not. Do you think that they hate people that much that they'll do that? They would never do that. I wouldn't. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we never saw that character again. I would love for them to do R two D two, where it's him with a bunch of other R two D twos. That's it, <laughs> and no subtitles. It's just beeps and boops, and you have no idea what the hell they're saying. I mean, it, I don't know. That could work. I remember when uh, the trailers for WALL-E first came out, I was like, how's that going to work? And it turned out to be an amazing movie. Do it. Yeah. Uh, they should really be listening to my ideas for these Star Wars movies. <laughs> but I'm also slightly worried that, you know how Disney is with their, I don't know how many straight-to-DVD sequels and spinoffs. Yeah, but see, Star Wars already does that, so. That's true. I mean, I don't, I don't see a big problem with that. I mean, plus it's that's assuming that Disney's going to have a big hand in it. I mean, I remember when Disney first bought Marvel, everybody was like, "Oh, oh yeah, that's true." Oh no, but really, Disney's been pretty, pretty much hands off with the Marvel stuff. Yeah. So it might be the same thing with Star Wars. I mean, if they're smart, that's what they'll do. They'll just kind of let let them do their own thing and be their own movie and that'll be it let's move on to some predictions uh we only have two here identity thief 
You said 54, I said 46, actual 24. <clears throat> Looks like Identity Thief was a failure, and I kind of both thought it was going to be headed that direction. Yeah. I haven't I'm seen surprised this. that I went a little bit as high as I did. I don't know why I did that. I might still check it out. Uh, I might go see it this afternoon. I'm not sure yet, but probably not. I probably will, mostly because I am dying for comedy. It just, you know what I mean? We get like three, maybe a year. That's it. Yeah, there's not a lot of not a lot of comedy going on. Uh, and then we have side effects. Uh, you said 82. I said 86. Actual 85. Son of a bitch. Yep. Decent week for me. I had two out of two there. Next yeah. week, we have a good day to die hard. Now, see, with this one, to me, this could go either way. It's either going to be a crab fest like the last one, or it could be something that completely revitalizes the franchise. Like, turn it around. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have no idea. So, I'm going to say oof, 50. 56. 56? I'm gonna go... Uh, I hope it's a 56. I'm gonna go 52. Like, I want this to be good. I, I love Die Hard. I mean... I mean, it's directed by the guy that did Max Payne. Yeah, I know. Ugh. Maybe I should lower it. Ugh. Ugh. It is rated R, though, Oof. so... Oof. At least this one's gonna be rated R, not like the PG-13 one. Beautiful Creatures... Uh, what are you thinking on this bad boy? What the hell is this? I don't know. Is, is, it, this, is it based it, on a book or something? I think it's like a young adult, as Ryan would say, tween. Tween. Novel. But I've never, I've never seen or heard of the book. Apparently it's huge. There's another movie called Beautiful Creatures uh, that I almost gave Ryan to watch this week. Uh, but it's not the same it's just has the same title i just i like when stuff like this happens and i end up feeling like old as shit <laughs> where like i've never heard of this i know nothing about it and apparently it's huge and it's a big thing and people are so excited for the movie and what are you no thinking idea. what are you thinking on this uh thinking like a 46 um i like you, I know zero about this movie, and, it, and I can't even really predict it because I have no idea. So, I'll say 42. Ooh. And then finally we have Safe Haven. Nicholas, yes. Nicholas Sparks. Yes! We'll be talking about that a little bit later in the week. Uh, I'm going to say 24. <laughs> Safe Haven. Oh, God. Um, you're going 24. I'm going to go 20. 20? Okay. Both think that that'll be pretty awful. Yes. Yes. DVD and Blu-ray releases. This is for Tuesday, February 11th, 2013. Got a good number of releases coming out this week. We got Skyfall. I definitely recommend seeing that if you haven't yet. I mean, it was... The best Bond film to date. And greatest greatest Bond film ever made. I, I would Trust I, me, I'm an expert yeah. in Bond films. It's fantastic. Highly recommend. Perks of being a wallflower. Uh, if I know Kevin, you haven't 
you, I still, you, I, I still, I can't bring yourself to watch I, I, that I, one. I can't do it. I, you know how long it took me to bring myself to watch Lincoln. Yeah, and I think that that's what what did it. Like I, I got through Lincoln, and I was like, you know what? I don't know if I can do this again. So I've just been holding off. I'm just hoping it would go away. It's uh, it's not a bad movie. It it did land on a lot of people's top top ten lists of last year. So there is a lot of That's... love for that movie. It certainly didn't get anywhere close to my top ten, but I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. Um, Kevin's just not a big fan of coming of age stories, really. Well, I like coming of age stories. I did. I don't know if I like. I don't know. It just everything about it sounds looks and sounds terrible. Uh, it's not that bad. I would, I would say maybe check it out, watch the trailer, see if you're interested in it and then kind of base it off of that. I would say, or maybe it's based on a book too. Maybe you could check out the book and we have silent Hill revelation. I, I haven't seen this. I was, I actually liked the first silent Hill movie, but I heard that this one's pretty awful. So awesome. I might, I might check it out just on a whim. I might not. I don't know, but I'd probably uh, I, say avoid it. I liked the first one until they got to the the whole church thing. Yeah, it did kind of fall apart there at the end. It got a little too much at the end, yeah, but too much. Too up much. until that point, I thought it was pretty awesome. Like it, it, it did have the vibe of the video game. I think that that to me that that's that's still the best video game movie out there. I can't think of anything better than that. I mean, that's not saying a lot. It wasn't a great movie yeah. or anything. No. <laughs> but, no. Uh, and then we have The Man with the Iron Fists. I was a little lukewarm on this. It is what it is. I mean, it's overly violent. There's some pretty cool fight scenes, ridiculous characters. Um, this this might be a good one to, you know, get get a group of your buddies together, rent it, get some beers, <laughs> cook some burgers, and have a good time. Yeah, uh, that sounds like a plan right there. Yeah, it's that sounds, that's a good, good weekend. That is a great weekend, sir. Then we have the sessions. Another one that I would say <laughs> I can't crack some beers, crack some beers, do some barbecuing, <laughs> bunch of bunch of bros over, watch the sessions. Uh, I actually like this quite a bit. This is the one with John Hawks and Helen Hunt. We talked about this before on the show. It's uh, got nominated for some awards. I think Helen Hunt and John Hawks got nominated, if I'm not mistaken. For a couple things, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I would rent this one. Didn't blow me away, but it was a lot lighter than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be a pretty serious movie, and it, it's it's a comedy. So then we have Robot and Frank. Both of us saw this the other week. We uh, we enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I would definitely recommend that one, too. I hope I hope that the DVD comes with the robot. Do you know if that? I think it is. I think, I think the, the special edition Blu-ray does is come the, with. Is that the Sapphire series? No, you it's, get a robot? it's the Diamond Collection, mm. and that does come with the robot. And it's uh, I think that the special edition is twenty five thousand dollars. That's not a bad price. <laughs> That's not a bad price at all. I, I did want to mention. I forgot to mention last week that. Last Tuesday, Peter Pan came out, and mm. it was the Diamond Edition. 
Oh, oh God. What? Diamond Edition? Oh, give me a break. And then we have Bully, the documentary, not the Larry Clark movie. <laughs> uh, I wonder how many people <laughs> buy the Larry Clark movie thinking that it's the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> they're in for a big surprise well, they, yeah they are <laughs> their night just got ruined I mean and to think they invited all their friends over and they're cracking beers doing some barbecuing grilling I want to know yeah. who does that who invites their friends over to crack beers and watch Bully <laughs> like one of the saddest most depressing documentaries you'll see this year I'm uh, sure. But, I'm sure a lot of people. Anyway, I mean, I do, you have bronies, so yeah. I'm sure that this happens. That's true. I do recommend seeing Bully. It is a very powerful, extremely well-made documentary, and I'm actually quite surprised that it didn't get an Oscar nomination. Yeah, it I, is, fi- it's I figured it would for sure. Yeah, uh, and then finally we have Teddy Bear. This is uh, shoot. Is it Norwegian? Uh, I don't think so at all. No? One second. <laughs> Crap. Maybe. It might be Austrian. Uh, teddy bear, teddy bear, teddy bear. Is it Austrian? No, it's one of the... I think you might be right. Danish. Oh, it's Danish. Okay. Danish. I, I was kind of... I was like in between there. Anyway, um, I really enjoyed this movie. I'll, I really, really liked it. So, basically, it's about this bodybuilder who goes to th- Thailand and looks for love. Looking for love in Thailand. Looking for love. It's it's really really good. I mean, it's sort of a comedy, but it's it's pretty light. And the the main guy is is really he's just a lovable guy. I mean, they call it Teddy Bear for a reason. <laughs> so, any other releases that I missed there? Oh, we have a Criterion of a movie that uh, I actually reviewed on this site. Which is the Dardeen Brothers, The Kid with a Bike. Yeah. So, which came out in 2011. So, this is one of the newer films picked up by Criterion, it looks like. And uh, I thought this movie was okay. I mean, it got a lot of buzz. People were, it seemed like a lot of people were infatuated with this film. And it seems like a lot of people are infatuated with the Dardeen Brothers as a whole. Mm -hmm. But, I, I mean, it was a good film. I enjoyed it. But it didn't blow me away. I don't know if I'm missing something in regards to the Dardeen brothers. Because it feels like I am. Because people lose their shit over these guys. I don't think I've seen anything by them, so... Couldn't really say. Decent decent film. So that's coming out on Criterion Blu-ray. So, there you go. Okay. Alright, well I think that wraps it up for all the latest film news and reviews visit us at filmpulse.net we want to hear your feedback send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net or call our voicemail line at 850-391-6071 also please take a minute to rate us on itunes we appreciate that very much from filmpulse.net my name is adam and i'm kevin and we will see you on wednesday for ryan watches a movie when we have him watch yep what's it called last song
look, we can't remember. And I, I want you to please keep all of this in. Us not being able to remember what the hell it's called. The last song, I think. The last song. Okay. Miley um, Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. I think Ryan's going to love this one. I can feel it. I think he will, yeah. We're getting, I'm shooting for a 10 out of 10 here. 